0: Good evening church, good evening and welcome to Live and Hope. You are so welcome, it's so good to see so many people out. Um, do you understand? And we are going to sing and praise God together. You can take your seat just for two minutes. And we're gonna continue worshiping in a wee minute. But um last week we heard Rebecca share a wee thought of from a song, and I'm gonna do the same this week. And I wanna share I thought, I wrote it down because see when it comes to words, we <laughs> just I lose them. Um but I wanna um share from the goodness of God tonight. Um and I just wanna bring a quick thought of yeah, and I just want to sing of the goodness of God. And I was, I was thinking about what I could say tonight. And to be honest, there's so much you could say about that song. But I want to focus on one line in, in the song. And it, it's at the end of the verse, and at the end of the chorus, and it says, I will sing of the goodness of God. I could literally stop there, and that's it. But um, I've got two quick points. And the first one is, choose worship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one tell a wee story. You should probably get really embarrassed about this, but in our family all six of us are back home and it's crazy as you can imagine. Um but on a, some Sundays um we'll get home and we'll have our roast dinner and all and it gets to the washing up and I really don't like washing up, like it's just one of those jobs that I really don't like doing. So in our family we all have rules. So You'll have some people who are the washer uppers. You'll have the dryer uppers, and I'm always the putter awayer because I like that job, so I get to do that job. And um, they always laugh at me because I'm like, "I'll put away, I'll put away." Um, but as some of you may know, we're quite a musical family, and we're always singing and around the house and all. And there'll be times when we're washing up after our Sunday dinner because everyone's in the house. And we'll be washing up, and next minute somebody just starts singing worship, <laughs> and um, it's a special moment because once someone starts, everyone starts, and uh, we're like the Von Trapp family, like we've got <laughs> we've got four part harmonies going, we've got dad doesn't have a clue what he's singing, but he just makes up words and sings whatever. You've got Noah <laughs> banging the pots and the pans, and <laughs> we probably sound really mad right now, but like <laughs> we worship. <laughs> And we could really, really easily just wash the dishes and get on with our day and we could just talk to each other, hi, how's your day been? But we worship. We choose to worship. And it doesn't just stop with one song once we keep going and there's harmonies going and it just keeps going. But we choose to worship. We could very easily say, Esther, stop singing, you sound awful. <laughs> <laughs> we do actually, don't worry but we don't we keep worshipping doesn't matter what you sound like <laughs> some of them sound worse than others but <laughs> God doesn't care <laughs> um, <laughs> and a bit of a testimony like our families went through so much <laughs> we went so through, through so much but we choose to still worship God even if it's about doing the pots and the pans and the washing up, we still choose to worship God. And why do we do this? Because God is good. Yeah. And we sing the goodness of God from the top of our lungs because our God is good. Yeah. The second point is God is good. Yeah. God is good. I just get so excited about that. God is good. And why is God good? Why do we sing about this and as I was thinking about this, how can we say, sometimes how can we say God is good when we are literally in the lowest of lows or the worst possible situations when we don't see things going our way. You see the Bible just doesn't show us the good things God does, stories upon stories. It says God is good it says that's who god is psalm 33 says oh taste and see that the lord is good psalm 86 says for you lord are good and ready to forgive and abundant in love and kindness to all who call upon you psalm 107 says give thanks to the lord for he is good and his love endures forever god is good it's not just about the, the good things that God has done, because he's done so much of that in the Bible. But it's about who God is, and that never changes. And we face storms, and we all know that. And, but in that we can become closer to God because he's all around us and he's good. <laughs> I 100% get that sometimes it's difficult to even say or sing Him, God, um, God is good and when you don't see the good around you. But I wanna encourage you tonight, you have a God who stands by your side, a God who never leaves you, a God who doesn't give up on you, a God who is a father, a God who is a friend. A God who is literally right by your side through everything that you go through. Even the tiniest of things, the biggest of things, God is right by your side. And as I said at the start, that's the line I wanted to focus on. And that's church why we will sing of the goodness of God confidently. We will stand and we will testify of God's goodness. So I'm going to invite you to stand back up again and we're going to sing this song again. And... I want you um, yeah. I want to the proclaim and declare that yes, no matter what is going on tonight, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes. Let's, let's sing together. And I love you, Lord, and for Your
1: mercy never fails. And all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay in my hand Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God
0: We thank you that we can call you a friend and we thank you that we can even say thank you for for who you are in our life thank you for the goodness of God you're so worthy <laughs> so worthy in Jesus name we pray amen I amen.
2: can amen. you, owe me the worship team the great thought they just choose worship God is good not that he has good or he does good or God is good and yeah. um, a great rethought there we're on to a new sermon series in our church uh, called what are you wearing uh, not that we're interested in what you're wearing tonight but we're I interested in what people are wearing spiritually in, in their lives and so you can see behind me there are some uh, posters there of some of the things uh, the Bible teaches about what we need to wear as believers as as Christians and the first thought this morning was that we should be clothed with Christ and that should be the foundation of, of what we wear that, that actually that our union our identity the transformation and change that's happened in our life uh that that should be demonstrated by being clothed with christ and so tonight it is part two and in our second part we're looking at the story uh in the bible where a woman unwell for 12 years touches the hem of jesus's garment and is healed and right from the outset of this story i want to encourage you with what encouraged me from this story and what I'm really going to be saying uh, for the next few minutes before we come and pray and believe that God is going to answer some of the prayers of what is happening in your life at the moment to pray for you if you're physically unwell if you're dealing with some stuff uh, mentally emotionally whatever way God can meet every need that, that you have and, and, and in, in doing this this is why we've called it Clothed with Expectation because I'm really summing up The story at the beginning, I know that sounds a bit strange, you think well sum it up and then sit down but I'm summing it up at the beginning because I want us to grasp the two most important points about this story and reading the story of the woman who touched Jesus' clothes to be healed in, in, in Mark 5, she demonstrates both the power of desperation and the power of expectation. It was both coming together that got her to Jesus and healed her. Our greatest expectations are often born out of our deepest desperations. Getting to Jesus was all she was desperate to do. Jesus met her expectations out of that desperation. He recognises both as faith and she's healed. Uh, And that's really summing up the story that we're looking tonight. But really those main two points, uh, she was desperate to get to Jesus, because she'd heard about him, and she expected Jesus to heal her, so she held on to the hem of his garment, his clothing, uh, and so you are here tonight, and at the end as we pray for people to be healed, this story helps us as we approach prayer, that it teaches us that God and God alone is the one who heals, and our faith needs to be both in desperation ...and in expectation. I don't know everybody's situation that's come here to church tonight... ...but I do know this, that God can meet every need. And so the story we're reading is found in Mark chapter 5... ...beginning at verse 21, and it says... ...when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake... ...a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came... ...and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet... When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was free from her suffering. And once Jesus realised the power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. We can see the sort of desperate woman here that has come uh, to Jesus to try and get healed the story at the beginning is not actually about this woman at all the story is Jesus has crossed the lake he wants to get uh, he's got to the other side the crowds are around him and he's approached by Jairus one of the religious the synagogue leaders who has come and said that his daughter is dying and he wants Jesus to come and pray with her The problem was there was a huge crowd pressing against uh, Jesus, there were lots of people that had heard what he'd done previously in setting people free and healing people and preaching the gospel, that he was just simply surrounded by people. But into this story comes this woman with a condition for 12 years. I just want to give you an idea of how sad and wretched this woman's life was. She had suffered physically, which we read about in the story, she had suffered socially that her family and anybody that was her friends didn't want to know her because she was considered unclean. And she had suffered emotionally because of that. Because she was just simply a very lonely woman. She had suffered religiously because there was no place for her in the courts. There was no place for her in the temple. She was considered unclean. And she had suffered financially because the story tells us that she literally spent all the money on doctors. And she had really got worse. And we sort of give you a picture Of how desperate this person, this lady was. She was desperate. She was rock bottom. This was probably her only chance of something happening that would change her life and turn her life around. She was probably divorced because her husband didn't want to know her. Homeless, excluded, excommunicated and shut out. So that gives you a picture of just simply how desperate this woman was. A more wretched situation person. I'm not sure we would read about in in the scripture. But a story is mentioned here. You see the priest would have been the doctor of the day. And what's called the Talmud, which is like the religious text of the day, would have provided some of the uh, treatments that she could have taken, the different things that she could have done to try and clear her condition up naturally. Uh, And there were 11 medicines or cures that she could have taken but none of them worked none of them worked that's why she had spent all the money this really was the final chance for her the last chance for her because nothing else had worked and it tells us in verse 26 just three words and i always think these three words are appropriate before people meet jesus she grew worse she grew worse tells us little hope there, no hope at all in a sense, hopeless, Um, but her desperation in a sense uh, gives us some power, it gives us some almost oomph to go and do something, because the problem is is this, she has heard about this man called Jesus, she has heard that he's healing people, she has heard that he's brought good news, and so this is really her chance, so In her desperation of living 12 years with this condition, trying these 11 treatments that she probably, that she has spent all the money on, it was simply all that she had left, this was it, she she was at rock bottom, she was wretched, there were things, uh, all those things going on in her life that just did not make her acceptable. ...in society of that day or any society for that because of how unclean they considered her. There was a great risk though, for she was considered that ceremonially and socially unclean. See the Jewish idea of the day was this, that if you, uh, if you had something, if you were ill with something... ...if you touched somebody else, then you would give them what it is that you had. And so that's why they judged her to be ceremonially, ceremonially unclean that actually if she did touch Jesus and actually what would transfer is what she had done. And so all of this was this disqualification uh, from any aspect of worship or attendance in the woman's courts in the temple. She, She was just simply totally excluded. There was not anything else she could do. I read the story and I thought to myself, what else could this woman do in this situation? There is nothing else. She's simply got to get to Jesus. That's really all there is. There is nothing else left for her. And so the woman shows some desperation and she shows some faith. Because we see here that there is nothing that she's not going to be deterred by. So she looks at the circumstances and says that's not going to stop me getting to Jesus that's not going to stop me the crowd uh, the medical condition what people think of me those who try and stop me those circumstances are not going to stop her the crowd that is around because obviously there's quite a lot of people there Uh, one she's a woman and so therefore in that culture in that time of the day it was not going to be acceptable for her to be, in a sense, you know, out front or, or visible to, to where people could see, because she was a woman, she was excluded anyway. So the crowd wasn't going to deter her, and the rules that we've mentioned, that are actually about being unclean, and, and that those were not going to stop her there are often many times in life when we come to do things like we do tonight where we're believing God to do something we can be deterred by many many things we can be deterred by the circumstances going on in our life we can be deterred that we may think it's not the right time uh, to do what we need to do we can be deterred thinking you know God won't do anything in my life because you know well if I could just get this sorted if I could just get this fixed then then God will do something and so we can be deterred uh, by many things we could be deterred by the rules thinking you know God wouldn't love somebody like me he only loves the religious people and it's why we say in our church many many times come and take the seat with the rest of us because there is baggage that everybody has there are things going on in everybody's life if all those people who've got a perfect life like to come out and stand up here with me and tell me how it's all working out for you there wouldn't be any of us up here why because we're working all the stuff out as we go along by taking a seat with the baggage. You knowing we're on a journey with God, and God is working stuff out in our lives. And I love this story that this is what happens here because what I, what, what I come to with this as we move on in the story is this, the news of Jesus arriving in a town was greater than any news she had received in 12 years. That news, there's somebody coming who could do something it says doesn't tick any of the right boxes she's not socially acceptable in any way she is not religiously acceptable in any way there is nobody excuse me there is nobody that is taking this woman to jesus she's lonely she's alone but this news that Jesus is coming is greater than any news that she has heard in the twelve years, and so she teaches us a lesson about faith here. and I think the journey to faith here for her healing begins when she hears that Jesus is coming. You know faith is often a journey made up of small steps of obedience rather than event with one big step. and the danger is sometimes we teach that. We teach that faith is one big step to take. But actually, as we can see from this story, it's many small steps of obedience. When she hears that Jesus is coming, she thinks, here is a man that could do something for me. I'm going to find out where he's going to be. I'm going to find out what time he's going to be there. We don't know how much waiting was involved. We don't know, did she wait on the other side of the lake, sitting by the other side of the lake? How long did she wait there for? But all of this was small steps of obedience in a journey of faith. It's never a step in the dark, I've often said when it comes to taking a step of faith. It's always taking a step into the promises of God. That God loves us, that God wants to heal us, that God wants to make us whole. He wants to do all of those things. So often we think, oh I close my eyes and I take that step of faith over to something we'd think that's what it is and actually it's not it's just small steps of obedience along a journey of faith one step after another until she gets what uh, she until she gets her healing no though uh, her thought life was right it wasn't positive thinking it was just simply uh, this great statement of faith that we read there because she just simply said this she says if i just touch his clothes i just think that's an amazing statement of faith if I just touch his clothes, it was almost like that 's all she needed to do. she wasn 't getting to Jesus and saying, "Jesus, stop what you 're doing for a second? Would you lay hands on me? Would, would, would you heal me? Let me tell you my story Jesus. She was simply almost out of desperate. If I can just get close enough to him in her desperation and her expectation just to touch him, she says i 'll be healed i 'll be healed that 's amazing it 's amazing step. Of faith, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. He tells her that's what happened. He says she did. Her bleeding stopped, and in her body she was freed from her suffering. But in the pressing of the crowd, Jesus realized something had happened for power had gone out from him. Now, in a sense, you think to yourself, this woman's in trouble now because everything is going to be revealed. But Jesus has stopped. He's asked the disciples who sort of look at Jesus and saying, Excuse me, we're surrounded by hundreds of people. And you're asking who touched you? It's almost like you could see them, like, really? You know what? He said, who t-? it could have been anybody. But Jesus knew something had happened. Jesus knew because the crowds were there that something had happened. And, and Jesus had touched the hem of his garment now there's no significance in the garment often people sort of look at these things as superstitious in a sense a, a garment or a handkerchief or a piece of clothing and so listen there's no significance in the garment other that the son of god has the power to heal uh he's wearing that garment uh, you know it's the connection that that he, says. he got close enough just to touch the hem of his garment that's the significance of it you know but jesus distinguishes between something he distinguishes between the crowd who wants to be entertained and the witness the miraculous and the woman who had need what was amazed and people say to me oh we need more miracles we need to see the miraculous more listen there's a whole three years jesus did the miraculous and it didn't draw thousands of people to him at his death that doesn't mean there's not a room for the miraculous there's room for god to work But Jesus in this story distinguishes between those people who are saying, come on Jesus, do another miracle. Come on Jesus, just do this. And the woman who reaches out with a real need, in real expectation, out of desperation to touch the hem of his garment so she can be healed after 12 years. You see, when they use the word touched, uh, it's not a brush past. This was a determined hold on one of the four tassels of the garment that Jesus was wearing. It was almost like I got hold of it and I'm not letting go. There's stories in the Bible even with Jacob. I'm not letting go until you bless me God. and and it comes back to what I've already said about taking the small steps of faith on that journey that we're simply believing God we want to be healed we want to be touched because it's often a process it's often something God is doing and working and I love you see that woman could have heard about Jesus coming and she could have just ignored he'd not do anything for me I'm not going to waste my time listening to some religious nut job teacher who's travelling around. I'm just going to stay where I am. There'll be something that comes along that heals me, but it won't be this man. He doesn't do that. He takes that small step that says, "I'm going to find out when he's coming. I'm going to wait till he comes." When the crowd comes, I'm going to make sure that I push my way through the crowd so I can just touch the hem of his garment. And I just see these small steps that are coming there. And there were many touching Jesus. But Jesus recognises the one who touches him in faith. Didn't that's lovely? He just recognises the one who touches him in faith. You know, there was something about us as individuals that Christ is drawn to. Throughout the Gospels we read of his conversations with Nathaniel alone at the fig tree. Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree. The woman at the well. Here the woman who is healed to illustrate once again that as I've said many times he's interested in every aspect of our lives. I mean think about this story. This is the son of God. And you know I have to look at it and, and think to myself and this is where Jesus has this amazing self-control. Because if I had that that supernatural ability, that supernatural gifting, you know, I would just simply say everybody would be healed. You know, it'd be like everybody just I'm just going to pray. You want there? Everybody's healed. Out of all of that in the crowd, Jesus could have healed them all. Anybody that was around him, anybody he looked to in the eyes, he could have healed them all, but he doesn't. He heals this woman as an illustration and a demonstration of how interested he is in her life. Here is this wretched, desperate woman, totally excommunicated and excluded from absolutely everything. Lonely and alone, with no friends and no family, and she is suddenly there. And the one that Jesus is interested in is her. I think that's powerful. Is her. What does that say to us tonight? There's not one of us sitting in here as a collective group, interested in everything that's going on in your life. Are you not well? He's interested in what's going on. He said, things going on nobody else knows about. He's interested in what's going on. Interested in every aspect of our lives. It's no wonder they say numbers, the hairs on our head. Because that's how intricate he is in his interest. And so here we see, he saw her, he healed her, but then he spoke with her as well. Uh, and this would not have been a done thing of the day to speak with a woman in public. You know, he could have questioned her and said, well, why did you do that? Why did you grab my garment? Jesus doesn't do that. I think there was something maybe about the expression on her face, knowing that she'd been healed, that, that Jesus sort of says to her, says, daughter. But it says, she told the truth and he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now what we have to understand here, because there's a danger and it's taught that when he says your faith has healed you, that we look at it and say, well it's all down to us. If I just have a feeling of faith, if my faith is at this level and not this level, then God will heal me. Listen, that's not the way it works. This is not teaching us that in this story. What this story is teaching us is a persistence and a boldness in the journey of faith to get to Jesus. He says none of us at the end of the day can tell who gets healed or, or you know, none of us can do that. It says our responsibility, as I'll come on to uh, in a second, and I'm just going to put this up on the screen because this helps us. Because when we pray for people, there were three things that help when we are praying for healing the first one is this he is god and i am not but you'll know that anyway he is god and i am not so therefore i cannot decide because you know why i go back to what i said before said if i had that don't what i'd do you're all healed all of you what's going on in your life there you go heal all of you how do i know The plan and the will of God for everybody's life is. It says because he is God and I am not. We trust him. Like Naomi said tonight. God is good all the time. Now that means not just in the times when we are living on the mountaintops. Not just those times that we sense that everything is working out in our life. God is good all the time. Because there are times in our life that are bad times. But he's still good. And he's still God. And so that's the first thing that helps us. The second one is this. is, Can God heal and will God heal? It's a challenging question there. Because we look at it and say can God heal? Absolutely. He's the creator of our lives. He knows our bodies intricately. Can he heal? Yes. Will he heal? We don't know. We don't know. We put it down to the plan and the purposes of God. Often at times when people say, well, why am I living with this? Why has this happened to me? In a sense, we have to just point people towards us with a song we've sung. That's simply the goodness of God. That actually God has a plan for each and every person's life in here. And he said, if it was left to me, you know, I would immediately heal you. I would immediately do something that took that away. But I'm not God. And he is God. And often our steps of faith and our journey of faith are tied into this can God heal and will God heal. Well we entrust him with that and when you're ill and you're suffering with serious illness that can be a struggle sometimes. That can be a massive struggle because you're looking at it and think to yourself, and I've asked that question many, many times where you've witnessed uh, the death of somebody, the death of a young one, the death of a baby, and you're looking at it and saying, God, well, what's going on here? We know you can heal. We know you could do something here. But I just don't know, and I'm unsure of whether it's in the full plan of uh, what god is doing in the whole world with everybody's life and you see when we see this story here we see actually that this woman was healed this woman was touched this woman's life was changed but the third thing is this my responsibility is to pray and believe that's it scripture teaches that scripture tells us what do we do we pray Pray always. Pray for one another. If any of you are sick among you, James says, call the elders of the church forward and let them pray for you. We're not responsible for whether you get healed from... We've been obedient to what God has told us to do. And that's what we continue to do. So here we hold on to those three things because our responsibility is to pray and to believe. You see, there were many more sick that day who didn't get healed because we know Jesus never healed everyone. But for this woman, he acknowledges her faith because she sought him out in desperation and held on to her until she got what she came for. To finish the story, he calls her this, and I think this is just this is special and precious. Because he says to her, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. He didn't say to her, woman, Yo, your faith has made you well. He said, daughter. Here's when you say daughter, there's that wonderful personal thing, isn't it? His daughter, a child of the king, simply doesn't say woman. He says, daughter, how personal and special and precious is that? It tells us this, that her suffering mattered to him. Actually, when it says she told the truth about what was happening, Jesus listened to her story and he was moved he was moved because of the story she told. How could he not be moved? We are moved by reading a story back about how excluded and excommunicated and lonely that she was. We couldn't be helped but moved by the story of this woman. Jesus listens to the story. Then he says, daughter. What a powerful word. He says, daughter. has shows something so personal. He says, and he does it for another reason as well because the crowd is around and they're all looking at this woman who should not be there at all and some of them are saying that's the unclean woman that's the woman who has no right to be here that's the woman who we've excommunicated excluded she should not be here but Jesus says not just to her but to the crowd around go your faith has made you well You will no longer suffer. As almost her life begins from that point. Because no longer is she excluded. No longer is she excommunicated. No longer does she need to be lonely. She can walk up to the temple and go into the courts where there are spaces for the women. She can do that now because she's not ceremonially unclean. Jesus changes people's lives. He changes people's lives. That's why we read what we've read here as we look at being clothed with expectation. She is now free. One of my favourite quotes with this story is this: "When you are hanging on by a thread, make sure it's a hem of his garment." What a wonderful thought that is. When you are hanging on by a thread, make sure it is the hem of his garment. says, so "What we're going to do? The worship team are going to join us upon the platform and." They're going to lead us in the start of a song. And we we just simply want to pray for people tonight. And as they play the first verse through this song, if you have a need, it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be uh, mental, it could be something going on in your life that you just simply say, I need to get to Jesus. I need to believe in my desperation, out of my expectation, That he is going to do something tonight. We just simply invite you to come down the front here. And we as the elders are going to pray for you tonight. So please don't miss the opportunity tonight. You can have something going on in your life. And tonight, like that day, could be the day that turns it around. It turned it around for this woman. When everything that was going on in her life was changed when she met Jesus. And Jesus healed her. And said, daughter, go, your faith has made you well. And she left in peace. That could be you tonight. Because we're believing for that. And we've been praying for that as well. As we look at this easiest thing to do with a story like this. Just to finish with a nice song. To close in prayer. To go home and get an ice cream somewhere on the way. That would be the easiest thing to do. We might be able to do that still. But the best thing to do is this, is to say... So we read this story. God is in the business of changing people's lives out of their desperation and in expectation. Thank you, And The
0: mountains are still being moved,
1: and strongholds are still being used. And God, we
0: And sing with me
2: Sat waiting for Jesus to come. She moved towards a miracle. We do that tonight as well. We do not give up because we don't get an answer in the next ten minutes. We move towards our miracle because He is the answer. He is. He is the answer tonight, and we move towards that miracle tonight. Hallelujah. i have just. Got, I want to do this. I think it's important. This is the opportunity to get saved tonight. We believe that the best life lived is one that is salvation in Jesus Christ because He went to the cross for your sins. And as God is moving in this place, if you want tonight to be the night to say, I just want to get I just want to do this tonight, I want to get saved tonight. I don't want to live the way I've been living anymore. I just want to see God change my life. He can do it tonight. He can do it tonight. There's going to be a few of us at the door. And listen, if you would like more prayer, if you would like to talk to us, if you would like just simply just say, you know what, man? that's me tonight. I want to get saved. The greatest move God does is the salvation of our souls that affects us for eternity. Let's just pray as we come and close. Father, we thank you tonight. Father, our responsibility is to come and pray and to believe, and we do believe tonight. We believe because we've been encouraged and taught by your word that that woman was healed. And Father, we know that even though that was a couple of thousand years ago, it's the same God that is at work tonight in this church. And for each and every person that came out, God, would you do the work that they have been praying for tonight? That their step of faith to come out to the front, Father God, is a sign that says, God, will you answer my prayers? God, will you meet me at my point of desperation? But also because I'm expecting you to do something. And Father, we just do that tonight. We leave these things in your hand, thanking you, Father, that you are good, that you are good, that you are good.